come to seem like the stern and joyless embodiment of her marriage. When Jack and Faith's daughter Caroline is at home, she likes to count new cracks in the ceilings, moth holes in the curtains, and dead flies in the window sashes. It has come to seem funny to her, all this opulent decrepitude and self-consciously maintained lack of creature comfort. But at the same time, it is the house she grew up in, which makes it all she really knows. Over the holidays, when she is back from school, she burns candles in her bedroom and listens to weepy female vocalists and Led Zeppelin. This seems to clear the way for the present, which otherwise enters 23 Memorial Road, stillborn. For Elliot Dunlap, the youngest of Jack and Faith's children, the house is not just his home, but his world. A disparate collection of cities and states, geographies and regions, each with its own climate, history, and culture. The dining room, for instance, is a repressive totalitarian state, the pink and white guest room an inviting but neglected warm-weather island. His favorite places are outside the house, the dappled clearing in the middle of the rhododendron bushes, and the small wood of red pines, golden beaches, and startling white birch trees that separates the Dunlap's field from the Ponkatawset golf course. Elliot calls this Sarajevo. It is a name he has heard somewhere before, which seems as lovely and mysterious as this place is. At dusk, he likes to collect lost golf balls buried here among the pine needles, elephant ear ferns, roots, and fallen branches. In the last reflective light of the evening, these glimmer a soft and otherworldly purple. And from above, the wood takes on the look of a sieve, a universe full of tiny, bright, unpatchable holes. 1. Caroline Dunlap has always been surrounded by crazy men. First of all, there is her father, who wakes at five every morning to build revolutionary war dioramas and sleeps with his grandfather's ancient nine-gauge pistol under his pillow. Then there are her identical twin older brothers, who are famous throughout the New England Independent School League for having swung, flying Walenda style, from the St. Stephen's Chapel bell tower into the headmaster's bathroom on a string of knotted dress shirts. There is also Wheelie Barrett, the retired NHL player who mows the Dunlap's lawn and believes the 747s flying en route to Logan drop gelatinous sewage byproducts over the roses and boxwood bushes behind the house. Then there are the hundreds of sales clerks, bus passengers, mail flight attendants, paper delivery boys, bank tellers, and lost pedestrians, who have a much higher incidence of insanity in Caroline's life than in anyone else's she knows. Just yesterday, a man sitting on a park bench beside her got up and tried to urinate on a pigeon. Last on the list, there is Rock Coughlin, who is, at this moment, sitting cross-legged on the floor at the foot of Caroline's childhood bed. Caroline blinks to make sure she is awake and pulls herself up onto one elbow, knocking her shoulder against the headboard. Good morning. 
Rock grins before she is even fully upright. Rock! Caroline looks at the ancient E.T. alarm clock on the bedside table. 7.47, its eyes blink at her. What are you doing here? Welcoming you back. Rock says this as if she has asked him what color his hair is, or if he is breathing. While I was sleeping? Caroline stares at him. You looked so peaceful. I didn't want to wake you. Hmm, Caroline says, reaching for the pack of cigarettes beside her bed. That's creepy. You did the right thing, you know. Coming back here, you would have hated San Francisco. The whole city is like a fucking telecommunications ad, and everyone is into mountain biking and fleece vests and... Caroline lights her cigarette and takes a drag. She sweeps her...